Well, great to be with you today. It's going to be a warm day today, but it's nice and cool in here today, isn't it? And uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Today is a PG-13 message, so I uh, just want to make sure that you're all comfortable with that. I think uh, I don't see any little, little children here, so that's good. So um, thank you for, for joining us on this, uh, the Lord's Day. Proverbs chapter 5 is our text today. Proverbs chapter 5. Would you mind standing with me as we read God's word together? And um, let's, uh, let's dig into what God want to, want to say to us this morning. Proverbs chapter 5, going to read the uh, entire chapter. It's not very long. It's only 23 verses long. So let's read together. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen well to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smooth than than oil. But in the end, she is a bitter as a gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave, and she gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Now then, my sons... Listen to me, and do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your years to the one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your streets overflow in the streets and your streams of water in the public squares? Let them be yours alone and never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breast satisfy you always and may you ever be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? For a man's ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all his paths. The evil deeds of the wicked man ensnare him. The cords of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly." God, I thank you for your word today. It is a, it's a very poignant, clear word that we really need to hear both in the church and out of the church, Lord. I pray that you will give us um, yeah, ears to hear, hearts that are open, and that we would hear your word and um, be better for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we've been in this series called The Five Fools, and today we are looking at the third fool. And um, 
this morning in our reading of the scripture, I just want to, uh, I want to say just a couple of opening statements here before I begin. First of all, as I said, it's a PG-13 message. Obviously, from reading the text, you can see the context and the, and the subject matter today. We're talking about sensuality. We're talking about the sensual fool. So um, it is, uh, it's a message that um, our day and time needs to hear. A lot of times in the church over the years, we, have, uh, we haven't said much about sexuality. We've stared clear of that. I've been amazed how, many, how often since I've been your pastor when I preach a message on sex or on sexuality that people are like, whoa, you know, like it's some, some subject they've never heard before. But all of you have heard it. And all of you have, um, have experienced it in some way, form in your life. Uh, the context of Proverbs, remember, is Solomon speaking to his son. So most of the illustrations that Solomon uses are male illustrations. But the, but the word of God is both for male and female. And uh, you could take this same scripture and a dad could sit with their son and read through the scripture and a mom could sit with their daughter and read through the scripture and apply it to your lives equally. So it's not just for, this is not just a, a, a scripture to beat up on women or beat up on men. It is, it, is, it, is, it is for both of us, all of us, in the sense that it gives us wisdom as it pertains to the area of sexuality. Most of my references today, because of the, of the scripture, are going to be male-oriented, but I want you to hear it from, if you're a female, from your own context, and realize that it applies to both, and, um, and really important to hear that. In, um, in, <clears throat> in 2009, November 25th, 20, uh, of November 25th, 2009, a supermarket tabloid called the National Enquirer, which always gives us the complete truth, published a story claiming that Tiger Woods had an extramarital affair with a New York City nightclub manager named Rachel, a claim he denied. Two days later, around 2.30 in the morning, there was some event that happened at his house, and Tiger Woods left his home in his Cadillac Escalade, and while he was on the street, collided with a fire hydrant, a tree, and several hedges. He treated it like it was no big deal. The media was kind of interested in what happened to this act in this accident and began to look into it. Woods released a statement on his website taking sole responsibility for the accident and calling what is going on in his life a private matter and crediting his wife for helping him out of the car that he crashed. On November 30th, five days after this, Woods announced that he would not be competing in his own charity golf tournament. On December 2nd, following the release of the U.S. Weekly, a voicemail message alleged that left, left by Tiger for a mistress and Woods released another statement in which he admitted transgressions and apologized to all those who supported him over the years, while also reiterating that this was a private matter. Over the next few days, more than a dozen women 
claimed various media outlets to have had affairs with Woods. And on December 11th, he released a third statement admitting infidelity and apologizing again, as well as announcing that he would be taking an indefinite break from his professional golf life. In the days and months that followed, Woods admitted his infidelity Several of his companies that endorsed him and gave him millions and millions of dollars decided to withdraw their support of Woods. And finally, on February 19, 2010, now almost three months later, Woods gave a televised statement in which he said he had been in a 45-day therapy program since the end of December. And he again apologized for his actions. And here's what Wood said on national television. I thought I would get away with whatever I wanted to, he said. I felt that I had worked hard my entire life and deserved to enjoy all of the temptations around me. I felt I was entitled. Thanks to money and fame, I didn't have to go far to find them. I was wrong. I was foolish. It was a tragic day in America, a tragic day for all of his fans, a tragic day for his wife and children. His wife went on to divorce him, and today Tiger is living with the choices that he has made down through the years. It's a choice that many have made, not only Tiger Woods, but everyday people and everyday walks of life have thrown their lives away for an illicit night or two or three or four that find themselves in despair, thinking that nobody is ever going to know. This is what the Bible talks about when he talks about a sensual fool. Tiger Woods is in a, the embodiment of a sensual fool. Somebody who was not willing to take correction, who thought he was entitled, thought he had all of the world right at his fingertips and just took everything the world could offer him for his own pleasure. And as a result, destroyed his life. He no longer plays golf as much as he used to. His life is a fraction of what it used to be. And it's a sad, sad thing. The scripture tells us in Romans, let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies, in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is what Solomon was trying to teach his son. You will find this theme all the way throughout, especially the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs. He addresses it in chapter 2, he addresses it in chapter 5, he addresses it in chapter 7, he addresses it in chapter 9. It's a theme throughout the first nine books because he knew that the dangers of sexual immorality were just lurking around the corner. That the temptations were going to be great and they were going to be frequent. And he wanted to make clear, to, especially to his own children, his own sons, and to us, he wanted to make clear that God wanted him to live the life of wisdom, a wise person, not a person who is foolish and bent on making terrible choices. 
The five fools we've talked about so far, we've talked about the simple fool and the silly fool. Today we're going to talk about the sensual fool. The scornful will be next week and the following will be the steadfast. But the, the sensual fool is defined as, as a sluggish, arrogant, and obstinate person. Literally, that's what the sensual fool means. A sluggish, arrogant, and obstinate person. And given over, they are given over to their sensual appetites. They have rejected the correction of authorities. They have become obstinate in their decisions to satisfy their own lust. And they draw others to themselves. They can be very deceptive and convincing. They are subtle. They have developed the ability to con people and use them for their own purposes. They refuse to acknowledge the wisdom of God. And, and how valuable they are to them. The sensual person is a person that has been bent on going in the wrong direction for quite some time. They have been a simple fool. They have been a silly fool. And now they have turned into a sensual fool. A person who is constantly seeking to satisfy their own sexual and gratifying their own desires in any way, shape, or form. Sometimes that person finds themselves in, in promiscuity. Sometimes that person finds themselves in pornography, into prostitution. Sometimes they find themselves into multiple relationships with multiple people. Sometimes it's a person who finds themselves that are addicted to drugs and alcohol, who find themselves constantly trying to satisfy their own desires within themselves. But it is a road that leads to destruction and one that Solomon is trying to warn his sons and trying to warn us towards. Because God doesn't want us to live this way. As he said, he wants us to behave decently as if we're in the daytime. Not uh, behaving ourselves as if we're in the nighttime where nobody seems to know. The, the fool is unreasonable and thinks he'll never get caught. Thinks he'll never, that his sin will never come to light. Believes the lies and the deception that's going on. It's a person that, that doesn't, throws caution to the wind ultimately and just dives in full tilt. That's exactly what happened to Tiger. The greatest golfer of all time. One of the most fantastic leaders in the game found his life just being destroyed by his personal life that led to so much pain and sorrow. Today I want to talk to you about, about, what, about the scripture about what Solomon had to say. But we find there's a book called The List of Notes. It's a book of collections, by the way. And in that, in that book, I love uh, my friend and my pastor friend by the name of Josh Coombs, who's a pastor up in Michigan. He wrote a book called, um, called Proverbs. And it's a book that's an interesting read on Proverbs because it's, it's written by him and his wife. And it's, he goes on and he takes the scripture and he writes to his son. And then she takes the scripture and writes to his daughter. And it's a great way to read it. It's like a pathway, like a journey. If you'd like to read that book, it's a great book. It's called Proverbs. Some of the ideas that I want to share with you today come from a chapter within that book that he wrote that I found fascinating, especially when he talks about the forbidden and the adulterous woman that Solomon portrays here in the book of, 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 of Solomon. 
Solomon gives us a lot of lists, a lot of things we shouldn't do and a lot of things we should do. And in this list, there's, there's a list in this book and where he says, um, you know, he gives a list of rules given to their club members of 10 things you shouldn't do as a flirt. He says these things. Don't flirt. Those who flirt in haste often re repent in leisure. Number two, don't accept rides with the flirting motorists. They don't all invite you in for a safe walk. Number three, don't use your eyes on, for ogling. They were made for worthier purposes. Number four, don't go with men you don't know. They may be married and you may be in a hair-pulling situation. Number five, don't wink. A flutter of one eye may cause a tear in the other. Number six, don't smile at a flirtatious stranger. Save them for, the, for you know. Don't annex all men you, get, you can get. By flirting with many, you may lose, uh, lose out on one. Number eight, don't, don't fall for the slick. The unpolished gold of real men is worth more than the gloss of a, a lounge of a lizard. Number nine, don't let elderly men with an eye to flirtation pat you on the shoulder and take a fatherly interest in you. Those are usually the kind who want to forget that they are fathers. Number 10, don't ignore the man you are sure of while you flirt with another. When you return, the first one, you may find him gone. There's a lot of good advice there. But I'd like to share with you three things that I want you to see in the book of Solomon. Three warnings, he says, about, that, about the forbidden. He first of all talks about what is the target. He said there is a target. He kind of gives this scenario, this story. You'll notice there in, in chapter 5, he says, in chapter 7, he says this. At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice... I saw among the simple, I noticed a young man, a youth who lacked judgment. He was going down the street near her corner, walking along the direction of her house at twilight as the day was fading, as the night, dark, dark of night set in. And what you discover here is that Solomon describes this picture. And he says, I'm in my house and I'm looking out through the lattice of a fence. And I notice that there is a young man who is walking down the road. He's walking down the road and he's walking towards the house of an adulterous woman. He knows where the adulterous woman lives. He knows what street she's on. And he noticed that this innocent boy who is walking along the road is kind of just kind of innocently going about his business, kind of looking around, kind of unaware of his surroundings and unaware that he is a target, that he is a target of this woman. And he's going on this road, and, and, and Solomon is writing this scenario, and he's saying to his son, he's saying, listen, there are times in your life you may not even aware that you're putting yourself in harm's way. You are a target of somebody else. And this woman, you'll notice he says, as he is walking down along the, the direction of her house at twilight, notice it says at twilight. In other words, it is the shift from daytime to nighttime. And usually illicit wrong things happen under the cover of darkness. When you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, when, you're doing, when, you're, when you might be searching for things you don't even know you, shouldn't be, you should be searching for, you find yourself in a place where all of a sudden there's somebody lurking to snatch you, to grab you, to bring you to, to, to yourself. Then the scripture goes on to say in verse number 10, he says, then... Out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute with crafty intent. 
She is loud and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the squares, at every corner she lurks. She is lurking. She is lurking. And what Solomon is trying to, he's trying to impersonate, he's trying to elevate this adulterous woman who was out there lurking in a, in a house, but now she's come out of the house, she's on the street, she is lurking there, she is, she is very obvious, she is, looks good to the naked eye, and she's trying to grab his attention. And if there's something that Solomon would want to say to us today, is that there is an industry today that is lurking to try to trap men, women, boys, and girls into terrible, terrible things. Today, you don't have to be walking down the road. You could be surfing on the internet. You could be surfing on your phone. You could find yourself um, innocently driving down the road in the wrong place at the wrong time. You could be at a hotel. You could be out to dinner. You could be anywhere and you could find yourself with somebody who is trying to trap you, to get you, to lure you in, to draw you into to themselves so that they can perform and do things that you could never imagine. Those are traps that we find ourselves over the years, I have found myself at times and places where I'm like, oh no, I shouldn't be here. This is the wrong place at the wrong time. I need to run for my life. I've told you my own story a few, another sermon way back about when I was a young pastor. I was just a, I was a youth pastor and I had this teenager. I was in, I was in Burlington, Vermont. And she called me up on the phone and Jane was working at the time. This is before we even had kids. We had just been married for less than a year. And this young teenager called me on the phone and she says, hey, can I come see you? And I said, sure, you can come see me. I'll meet you at the office where my father-in-law was a senior pastor. And she said, no, 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 no. I'd like to meet you at your house. I was like, what? I'd like to meet you at your house. And I said, I'm sorry, we can't do that, but you can, I'll meet you at the, at the church. I was naive. I was young. I, was, I didn't even understand what she was asking me. But in hindsight, I was like, oh. And as I got to know this young lady, I realized that she had been promiscuous for a long time in her life. And I was a young 22-year-old youth pastor just out of college. And she was lurking and lurking in my very first pastorate. I had a mother with some three children and she needed food and I went up to bring food to her house and I walked in and I dropped the food off. I had grocery bags. She was in need and as I was leaving, she stood at the door and she stopped and she went to give me a pass and kiss me and I realized right then and there, I was like, I'm in the wrong place with the wrong person and there's nobody around. And I slipped under her arm and ran down the stairs and ran home. I was like, oh boy. I don't know about you, but if you live long enough, you will find that you'll be in the wrong places at the wrong times. And it doesn't include the hundreds of times something has popped on my screen, something has come across my email. I mean, it is constantly at you. There is an entire industry today that is seeking to trap you, to lure you in, 
to drag you away from what you know is godly and right and lead you down a road of destruction. And Solomon is trying to warn us, bring you aware that you should not be so naive and you should always be on guard. Always on guard, no matter how old you are or how young you are, no matter if you're male or female, you should be on guard to make sure that you don't find yourself in the wrong place at the wrong time. She was lurking at every corner, and she makes it clear. Here's another warning, he says, the trap. Not only is, are you a target, but there's a trap. And he spells out the trap for us. He says, for the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her sm- speech is smoother than oil. And sometimes it's the person who's, who is just conniving, who is smooth, who says the right things at the right times, who just kind of comes along. I've learned over the years to listen to my wife. She has said to me at times, watch out for that person. Watch out for that person. I'm uncomfortable with this person. And I've been aware of that. They are smooth talkers. They are attractive. They, they have a charisma about them. And all of a sudden you go, whoa. Something's going on now. The scripture tells us, for the lips of an adulteress drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. He says in Romans 5, 8, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near her door. So Solomon warns his son. He says, listen, don't go near there. Don't play with fire. Don't, don't, even, don't even go down that road. Don't go near that house. Stay away from them. Yet here in chapter 7, we find that, that's, that this young man is walking down the road and finds himself near this house that Solomon told him not to do. Don't go down that place. Don't be in that spot. And you'll notice what it goes on to say in chapter 7, verses 13 and 18. She took hold of him and kissed him with a brazen face. And she said, now catch this. I have fellowship offerings at home, and today I fulfilled my vows. See the smoothness here? She says, I have fellowship offerings at home. In other words, she has been religious. She's probably been to the temple. She has done her religious duties. She has conducted herself in daylight as if she is a godly woman. She says, I have fulfilled my vows. So I came out to meet you. She comes out to meet him. I looked for you and have found you. I have covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh and alloys and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deep love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Free. Unlimited, secretive, cunning, and almost religious. Being poured out to her, to this young man. And he is being trapped and lured in. Lured in. Lured in. It's so easy. It's so easy to find yourself taking small steps in the wrong direction, 
Nobody gets up one day and ends up having an affair. It happens by taking the wrong steps in the wrong direction for a long time. Sometimes it starts here and here with your eyes, with your ears, with your brain, the way you think, the things that are going on, what you're watching. It could be a movie. It could be, it could be your television shows. It could be what's on your, on your internet, whatever it might be. It lures you in and traps you. And you find yourself thinking and doing things that you never, ever thought or imagined. There's a trap. I have fulfilled my vows. I have fellowship offerings at home. I've prepared my bed for you. Come, let's make love all night long. No one's going to know. The trap has been laid. The target has been targeted. And then there's the third warning, the tricks. The target, the trap, and now the tricks. And you'll notice the tricks because the tricks are the good old bait and switch. You know what the bait and switch is? When you're baited one one thing and then you switch to another. And she baits and switches him because here's what she says. My husband is not home. He has gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money and will not be home till full moon. In other words, no one's going to know what we're going to do tonight. No one's going to know that we're going to have some fun. It's going to be private and there are going to be no consequences. It's going to be free. It's going to be beautiful. It's almost going to be spiritual. I'm going to fulfill all of your desires. My husband is gone. Your spouse is gone. No one's going to know. You're, you are in the darkness of my nighttime. But it's a lie. She doesn't tell the truth. She doesn't share the consequences that are going to happen. And she doesn't share the pain that is going to be inflicted. You see, going back to Tiger Woods, he never, ever imagined that one illicit affair. He had a beautiful wife, two wonderful children, all the money the world could offer him, all of the fame that you could possibly have, everything that was good he had, yet it was not enough. And he thought no one would find out it was a private matter. And his wife would overlook it, and ultimately he would go on and be the superstar he'd always been, and it would be all right. But the day came when judgment came, and his wife said, no, 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 I'm not doing this. And he lost his family. He lost his wealth. He lost his reputation. He's lost his way. And even today, after accidents, 
and a broken body, he's almost sad to watch because of the pain and suffering he's inflicted upon himself by his own choices. See, sin will never tell you the consequences. You never, you always underestimate the judgments. You always underestimate the pain. You always think you're just going to get away with it. And nothing, nobody's ever going to know. But the Bible tells us sin will find you out. That ultimately everything comes to light. And ultimately the pain and suffering that will come upon your life because of your own choices will be there. And this is what Solomon was trying to warn his son for. He was trying to say, don't buy into this lie. This is not true. The scripture says, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? What's the answer to those questions? No. That's stupid. That's foolishness. So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. Some in this room I know have experienced adultery. You've been unfaithful. You've lived a life maybe undercover. And maybe today you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit convicting you of that. I've got good news for you, even in the middle of all this bad news. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness through Jesus Christ. Amen. He is able to do that. But you have to come clean before the Lord and ask him for his grace and mercy. God's word tells us that if we do not repent of our sins, we do not turn from our wickedness, we don't offer ourselves to ask him for forgiveness of our sins and ask him to cleanse us, that we will find ourselves with eternal punishment and separated from God forever. Because the scripture tells us in, Galatia, in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, the adulterers, the male prostitutes, nor the homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanderers, nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. It's as black and white as it possibly can be. But Satan is the one who comes along and says, did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Did God really, really say that? It's the oldest trick in the book that goes all the way back to the garden where the serpent came and said to Eve, did God really say that? And he's still continuing to say it now. There is the target, there is the trap, and then there's the tricks. The tricks are the ones that say, you're never going to be held accountable. Do not be deceived. It's a lie. And it leads to a road of destruction in your own life.
I know there's probably some men here in this group. You've been married to a wonderful wife. You've had children. But maybe your sex life isn't what it's all that you desire it should be. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you think that you, there's, there's grass is greener on the other side of the fence. Or you deserve to have your needs met. And the lure is out there. And it's trying to draw you in. Trying to bring you to the place where you can find fulfillment for your own desires. And you being lured to walk down a path of foolishness that ultimately leads to destruction. Hear God's warning this morning. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It only breeds greater pain and disharmony in your life. Well, three tips I'll give you that are positive today. Because Solomon gives us the other side of the fence. He says, first of all, number one, take care of things at home. Amen? Take care of things at home. The best offense or even the best defense against the temptations that God has for you is a good, healthy marriage at home. If you're married here today, make sure that your home and your relationship is up to date. Make sure it's beautiful. Make sure it's intimate. Make sure it's regular. Because the scripture tells us here, he says, drink water from your own cistern. Did you catch the illustration here? Drink water from your own cistern. In other words, not from somebody else's cistern, from your own cistern. Running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares? No, they shouldn't. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you, may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always and may you ever be captivated by her love. God's word tells us, it's very clear, that a married relationship ideally is to be one of mutual satisfaction, mutually gratifying, one that, that, that provides a loving, wonderful, almost spiritual place of, of purity and wholeness. Hebrews tells us, let the marriage bed be sacred and pure and undefiled and one that creates a place of intimacy and oneness that God so desires in a married relationship. May your eyes and your heart be only on your spouse. May you dream about her, think about her, or him in such a way that it draws you together and creates an environment that is mutually satisfying. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. I've said this many times. Young love is great, but old love is even better. It's even better. It's even better than I was younger. Oh, our bodies may change. And oh, you know, old age comes upon all of us. But beauty is deeper than skin. Beauty is deeper than, 
than what the world wants to portray to us. There is nothing like saying, you're mine. And the only place I get my sexual needs met is with my spouse. That's God's plan for all of us who are married. Take care of things at home. Second advice he gives to us is this. He says, be careful where you go and what you see. Be careful where you go and what you see. I love what it says over in Job. It says, I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a woman? I have made a covenant with my eyes. If you've been around men's ministry or any kind of ministry that talks about men, it talks about bounce your eyes, bounce your eyes. When you see something that catches you and you know you shouldn't be looking at that, bounce into something else. Don't go around the block for a second look. You know, keep your eyes focused on the right things and keep your eyes off of the wrong things. Don't find yourself in places where you shouldn't go and you places you shouldn't see. Constantly guard your eyeballs because men specifically are attracted through your eyes. You're stimulated through your eyes. It causes you to fall into places and think about things you shouldn't think about. And this is why it's so important that we guard what we watch on television, what kind of movies we watch, what kind of things are on our, on our TV screens, especially in our social media. There's all kinds of things that are lurking out there to target you, to trap you, and to trick you. And so Solomon warns us here to do that. So one of the positive things you can do is you can make a covenant with yourself. My eyes will only look at my spouse. She's the only one that I'll dream about, that I'll fantasize about, that I'll allow my sexual brain to begin to think about. She's the only one. She's mine. God gave her to me. She's my one and only. The scripture tells us also, look carefully then how you walk, not as an unwise, but as a wise person. Be careful of what kind of things you go and do. You know, there are certain places here on the planet you shouldn't be as a man or woman of God. There's no reason at all you should be in certain places. And I don't need to define that for you. You can probably figure it out on your own. But you should not be in establishments that have lots of sinful activity going on. You should not be in establishments that have a lot of alcohol and drinking and carousing and dancing and all kinds of garbage that happens that's luring you into things and leading you to do things that you know you shouldn't do. Stay away from them. Be wise. Don't put yourself in places where sin could be an option. Be aware. That's what Solomon's trying to teach us here. Number three, when all else fails, run. Amen? Paul says it this way, flee immorality. In other words, there's one kind of way that you deal with sexual temptation is you don't play with it, you don't think about it, you run from it. You go back to the story of Joseph. Remember Joseph? 
He was, he was, he was elevated to leadership in Potiphar's house and Potiphar's wife. All of a sudden, she was lurking. She was looking. She was trying to trap him. She was trying to trick him into having sex with her. And notice what the scripture says in, that in Genesis 39. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties. This is Joseph. He went into the house to attend his duties. And none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. You know how you deal with sexual sin? Some of you need to get rid of the computer. Some of you need to get rid of the phone. Some of you need to go to Pure Desire, one of our ministries, and get focused on trying to get pure and clean. Some of you need to stop calling somebody that you shouldn't be calling. Start con stop connecting with somebody that you know is not your spouse on the internet. Whatever it might be, you run from it. You don't play with it. Because if you play, you will get burned. And this is what Solomon is trying to warn us. Don't be a fool. Don't be stupid. Guard yourself. If you're a single person here today, you might say, how does this affect me? God wants you to remain pure even in your singleness for the day that if he so desires that you find yourself with a spouse in the future. Sexual promiscuity outside of the bonds of a holy marriage covenant is sinful. And God desires for you to stay pure in your life. And this is what Solomon was trying to say. Well, worship team, come, would you? Would you stand with me as we pray together? Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. It's kind of a quiet word. It's kind of a, a word that um, we need to hear today in our day and time. But I pray, Lord, that you will help each of us to have a purity of heart and life, purity of mind, holy relationships. Oh, God, would you bless us today with your presence, with your grace? And if there's some that need forgiveness and cleansing, would you do it right now, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together.